Welcome back to the Darting <laughs> Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean. With me is Julia Monin. And uh, I hope you're having a good feast of St. Luke. I'm having an excellent feast of St. Luke. Okay. How's your feast day going? It's it's going all right. I've mm-hmm. uh, I've had to do a lot of desk clearing today. Ooh. So you come back, you get mm. all the emails in the inbox. People have been holding on for a while to, to talk to you, which is all fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you can play mm-hmm. a little catch up. Mm-hmm. So you know the work the Lord has cut out for you in the day. So mm-hmm. that's kind of just nice to know. Mm-hmm. For those of you who perhaps aren't following us regularly... Father Sean was on retreat last week. I was. So we did a double podcast two weeks ago on the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi. By the way, people loved your Francis of Assisi joke. I am having people bring it up in conversations to me. You don't even remember? I don't remember. Who's the patron saint of people who send too many emails or something oh, corny like yeah, that? yeah, yeah. St. Francis of Assisi. Like... <laughs> People like that? People have been, like, in small talk, like, bringing it up to me, like, oh my gosh, they actually listen to the podcast, and that's what they remember. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Well, I guess, like, shout out, I, we had yeah. that Shinstadt retreat over the weekend mm-hmm. that we hosted at our parishes, and I was mingling, and people people came up and said they listened to the podcast, so mm. I don't remember their names, but they were two young ladies from Versailles, from St. Dennis Parish in Versailles, mm. to... Shout out to the two of you. Shout out. I think mm-hmm. I might know who you're talking about, but I won't okay. say names in case because, I'm wrong. Because there's a lot of women probably at that parish. <laughs> probably. Probably more than two. <laughs> probably more than two. Yeah. At least a third. Yeah. So so today is Monday, October 18th. Feast well, day of St. Louis. Check your phone for that. I did. Yeah. For one, what day of the week is it? And also, what is the date? I had to look for both. I'm not going to lie. It's okay. I'm, I shouldn't have pointed it out. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you did. And also, I'm glad that you delivered it with such a uh, monotone, yeah. stark, sarcastic tone. Date. Thank you. Yeah, It makes it that it. much more comical. Mm-hmm. I missed you, man. I'm glad you're back. Thanks. Good to be back <laughs> in the saddle. Ah, okay. I got nothing. All right. We should pray. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for this opportunity to reflect upon your wondrous works in our midst. We thank you for the creation and the ways you've allowed humanity to work with the materials that you've provided to give you glory in all that we do. We entrust this time praying for all of those listening to this podcast. And so we entrust it into the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary and Pope St. John Paul II. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, speaking of JP2. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, his feast day is Friday, right? Which is when this is going to be released. Yeah. Man. Shout out. Shout out to John Paul II. Yeah. Thanks for all that you do in our lives. Behind me, mm-hmm. who we... And right here. That's right. At the very beginning, we adopted him as the patron of this podcast right. here. So, yeah, big feast day for us. I know. Wow. Right. Okay. And even he, he, so mm-hmm. we read a little mm-hmm. bit for yep. this and mm-hmm. by a little bit, we probably mean more than we needed to, uh, <laughs> more than we normally do, more than we normally do. Yeah. So that's on me, but I was on retreat and I just grabbed the first thing I, I found with the, a six letter word of beauty in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and we went back to Denny McNamara, mm-hmm. Dennis McNamara, this book, Catholic Church architecture in the spirit of the liturgy in which mm-hmm. he has a chapter about beauty mm-hmm. it lays out some principles of beauty and uh which could be applied to a whole bunch of different things whether it's architecture which 
you know, ought to be beautiful or even mm-hmm. music that mm-hmm. ought to be beautiful or mm-hmm. just life in general that ought to be beautiful, mm-hmm. right? A beautiful life, a life full of beauty mm-hmm. is, uh, is a life that's exciting, one that's a sense of adventure, mm-hmm. one that kind of gives texture maybe mm-hmm. to life. Beauty does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's why buildings that are just like all squared off corners and grays, like mm-hmm. dull life, dull colors, mm-hmm. dull lack of beauty. So mm-hmm. anyways, mm-hmm. John Paul II. Wow. He, yeah, he, that was a, that was circuitous route. Whoa. Yeah. For realsies? <laughs> for realsies? Is that really a word? I Not realsies, because that obviously is a word. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on. Okay. All right. This chapter starts with beauty enthuses us for work, and work is to raise us up. That was in a 1999 letter to artists from John Paul II. Mm-hmm. Beauty enthuses us for work, and work is to raise us up. And when he says this, it goes on to say that he meant this in terms of like the work, the labor of prayer. Mm. And this, and then he breaks down the etymology of this word enthuse. Yeah, this is something mind blowing. Okay, so what does this word enthuse actually mean? Deriving from n, which means. In. To put into plus theos, which means God. So to be enthused is to have God put into you. Think about that. To be enthused means to have God put into you. So to be filled with the animating energy that resonates the soul. So beauty, this author is saying this, beauty has the power to do this. Beauty is powerful. It has the power to do this, to put God into you. Right. That's something. Yeah. So part of like, in, in maybe even it can be compared to like zeal, right? Zeal is is that that kind of being enthused for for God mm-hmm. is being able to go all to want to put God everywhere. And so when you're enthused, you're you're zealous, right? And that's somebody who's enthusiastic about the things of God, and that's an enthusiasm that can that can multiply, that can grow and can has some staying power. You know, if mm-hmm. you're enthusiastic about a sports team, well, that only lasts while the season's going on. And then you're just hoping for the next time the sports team shows up or whatever. And that, that doesn't last. Mm-hmm. So to be enthused about God, mm. to be zealous for him. Good, 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 good. And then the church has called beauty, the splendor of truth, or at times mm. the attractive power of truth. So we have truth. Truth is and then beauty is what allows us to delight in this truth. It mm-hmm. has this attractive power. Am I saying that right? I think so. You kind of talked about that a few different times. Anyway, but this beauty is more than an accidental byproduct of artistic production or a social construct that rests in the eye of the beholder. Beauty has power. And that that was kind of the main point in all of this. Mm-hmm. Beauty is not just in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Right? We should behold things with our eyes that are beautiful, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't say, well, whatever you think's beautiful, whatever you think's beautiful, it's just in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Hogwash, Hogwash is what old Mr. Dennis, Dr. Dennis McNamara mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. So, right. Which seems to be true, yes. right? Like that's not just his opinion. Right. That, um, that seems to be Tr- the truth. Nice. Uh, you, uh-huh. you see what I did I, there? I saw what you did it there. It was awful, wasn't uh-huh. it? <laughs> There's a lot of good pictures in this chapter, yes. too. Um, I, I, I think we have the same thing yeah. circled there. Yeah. So there's this one here of a uh, of like over the entrance mm-hmm. of a cathedral, mm-hmm. St. Joseph Cathedral in Wheeling, West Virginia. Huh? 
How about that? Yeah, yeah you and, girls, their faces is doing exactly right. what my face did when I read that. <laughs> I went to Wheeling, West Virginia to St. Joseph's Cathedral mm-hmm. just a fortnight ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, Friday. Uh-huh. I was there. Uh-huh. I have this little, hey, this is going to get this is going to get really uh, quite the detour. Okay. Which is kind of the story of this day. (laughs) (laughs) I took a detour on my way home from retreat and visited three cathedrals along the Ohio river. One of them being St. Joseph cathedral in Wheeling, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. So very beautiful building, Mm -hmm. but what makes something beautiful? You might ask, Mm -hmm. how do we know that something is beautiful? The paint color, the paint color. (laughs) Just kidding. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, he makes this, this point always like, uh, people, when they, they come into a church sometimes, especially one built, maybe let's just say in the last 50, 50 years, mm-hmm. there's this sense of like, this doesn't feel like a church. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so trying to get at like, what makes something feel like a church, right? Mm-hmm. What actually, what is it that's missing when it doesn't feel like a church? Because maybe the issue is, well, you just need to change your perception of what it actually, what actually churchness is, what it means to be like a church, or there's something lacking in this building, or even you think about music, right? Um, somebody sent me a song over the weekend that I think got used in churches that was just absolutely horrendous. Mm. Uh, it, yeah, you can, you can. Uh, it was on an album called High God, mm. so you can, you can. Like high H I yeah, or high yeah, H I. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, um, but it that didn't seem like church music, mm-hmm. right? And so, what what is it that's missing in these things? Mm-hmm. That it's like that's it's nice, but it's not actually mm-hmm. what a church is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're getting to that, mm-hmm. right? That's that's what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That it's more than just a personal opinion. Mm-hmm. It's more than just this relativistic type of approach of, well, if you say it's beautiful in your eyes, then that's fine. And I disagree with that. There is constructive reality to truth and beauty and goodness and what is true and what is beautiful and what is good. Right. That is beyond just a relativistic, this is a personal opinion. That's the point, right? That's Mm -hmm. the point that we're driving home to this, right? right? And then also the reality that beauty like when we talked about art and obviously there's a connection with all of this too, art when it's done at its best is supposed to draw us into who God is. It's supposed to help us picture something that's indescribable that we can't communicate. And beauty is meant to do the same thing. Beauty is meant to draw us into this, this, this attribute of God that reveals more of God, who God is to us, right. In ways that we can't communicate. As you can tell right now, I'm having, Difficulty communicating it. And, <laughs> but. and yeah, and it, but it's all, it's part of the incarnation, right? That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it's not just that that happened 2000 years ago and the word became flesh in Jesus Christ, which is absolutely true. And Jesus Christ walked the earth, uh, died, rose, and is now ascended into heaven. Mm-hmm. But this sacramental reality that we live in is still present. And, and there's still in, in, whether it's in music, whether it's in words, whether it's in people's lives, whether it's um, whether it's in a building, it's mm-hmm. supposed to reveal the incarnation that God still dwells among us, flesh and blood, and we need these physical reminders of uh, of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all instinctively know that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I remember uh, one time, I uh, I was 
I was visiting this this chapel on a university campus, and uh, it was a Catholic chapel. I was there with one of my non-Catholic friends, though, from high school, and we were looking around, and there was two of us that were Catholic, one of, and he wasn't, and, and we were kind of lamenting, like, I bet this place was just beautiful. What have they done here? And the walls all got whitewashed and all of this. And the friend who wasn't Catholic was like, well, does it, does it really matter? It's, it's just a building that something happens in. And, uh, and that's very like, is this just a building that something happens, happens is, but the point about beauty and the point that gets driven home here is that beauty actually should reveal what happens here, mm-hmm. right? A, a good sacramental building reveals what, and the more it, the better it reveals what is really going on here, the more beautiful it is right. So there's this an idea of a church that's based on the heavenly Jerusalem, and you see this throughout the book of Revelation. God tells them to build, right? They're always building, building the temple in Jerusalem. This perfect temple in in Jerusalem is really what our churches should um, imitate. Mm-hmm. And the better they do that, the more beautiful they are. Like there's this ideal, and the mm-hmm. better it gets incarnate, the the better. Um, the, the more beautiful it is, mm-hmm. right? And and that's no different from, I mean, like anything else in, in, in life. You think about, we have this ideal of what the perfect waterfall looks like. And the closer, whatever waterfall you see imitates that, the more beautiful it is. Or even this person, uh, you know, people, like the, the this, this ideal. And actually, they can do this, like psychologists can study like what facial features and proportions of, of bodies that people say is the most attractive or the most appealing. Mm-hmm. And then like they can like digitally create a person with all of the perfect proportions that's like the ideal. And that just sounds a whole lot of robotic and like mm-hmm. some some total stuff. But, but it, it tells you that the closer that somebody conforms to this idea of beauty. And mm-hmm. of course that's that's physical, right? That's mm-hmm. all that's mm-hmm. all that is. And and there's a whole lot more depth to to a beautiful human being than physical attributes. But the closer it is to that ideal, the more beautiful. Like a life, mm-hmm. right? The more a person lives in sanctity, the more beautiful their the actions of their lives are. Mm-hmm. So so that's the point is that beauty is tied to this building this church, this music, as close as it can resemble the ideal, the more beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just talked a whole lot. You might need to like pick out something that's digestible there. So just, I, we haven't mentioned it yet, so we'll begin there. Like in, in the purest definition of beauty, it's as simple as it is profound. An object is beautiful when it is most clearly and fully reveals its ontological reality, the very reality of its being as understood in the mind of God. Therefore, things should look like what they are, which is the first step toward revealing what they actually are. Things Mm -hmm. should look like what they are. So he makes the point of like churches should look like churches and factories should look like factories. And there is a beauty to a factory but because it's a factory that's set to do different things, kind of right? It has a limited beauty compared to the church. Right, right, right. So you think about that. And that's such a, it's, it's such a simple statement that it makes you go, what are you actually saying here? But things, things should look like what they actually are. This is the yeah. first step toward revealing what they actually are. Right. Yeah, and, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and you can right? even think of this like an image of St. Joseph, mm-hmm. right? 
St. Joseph right now is for all eternity interceding before the throne of God, right? That's who St. Joseph is at this very moment. He's a saint in heaven praising God. Mm -hmm. So an image of St. Joseph should reveal that. It Mm -hmm. should reveal him as this glorified body, Mm -hmm. not like St. Joseph taking a bath. Right? Like that, that is not what St. Joseph is doing for all eternity. Mm. St. Joseph for all eternity exists in the mind, of, it exists in heaven as a glorified saint. Mm. So he should be depicted as such, not as, as him, you know, insert crude human action. There, gotcha. Whatever, you know, whatever sure. it is, right? Like, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll just end it there because ima- my imagination is going, going all everywhere. over the place. I gotcha. Like, I figured in a suit. Getting a newspaper, <laughs> whacking a dog. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay. So this was, this was pointed out too in here, like a beautiful statue triggers a desire to seek a saint's intercession. So again, this idea of this beautiful, so these beautiful churches that we see instinctively draw us, enthuse us, enthuse us. Exactly. Same thing with these, this beautiful, these images that we see or these statues that we see will draw us. The beauty draws us to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if we can't, he makes the argument here, like if you, if even if you have a non-believer who goes into a beautiful cathedral, right, to just revel at the the history of it or whatever it might be, something is happening inside that person that's beyond that person's intellect, that's beyond their reasoning, um, that ultimately would change that person, even if it was just the memory of the beauty that existed, mm-hmm. right? Even if there wasn't that connection being made, a spiritual conversion of some sort, right? right. And that's what beauty at its best does. Yeah. So then, of course, he, he spends a lot of time making that argument that beauty at its worst can do the opposite. It oh, distracts yeah. us. If we walk into a church and it doesn't actually look like what it is, it doesn't actually look like a church, well, then that's distracting our psyches. And now we're, have, we're trying to make reason of why doesn't this look like a church? And then instead of just entering into this beautiful building to this beautiful church that looks like a church that is doing all these right things and allowing ourselves to be drawn into this prayer, into this worship, we're having to fight all these inconsistencies in our mind, mm-hmm. right? What is this? What is actually, why does it actually look like this? I don't know. Well, maybe it's supposed to be like this. Well, I, so we're fighting all those arguments, whether we're doing it consciously or subconsciously, and then that's distracting us from actually entering into this praise and worship. Right. And so as you're, as you're talking about that with, with physical beauty, you could say the same thing with music. Sure. Right? Why does this music sound like, you know, I'm at a Bon Jovi concert, right? Like that's not that that's not drawing us to the Lord. It's actually kind of like a cognitive dissonance where you're mm-hmm. like, I'm supposed to be here praising God in the language of the angels and saints, but somehow that that melody that I just heard is is from who knows what, you know. Now song. I have now I have Bon Jovi in my head. Are you singing It's My Life? No. Oh. I'm wanted. Isn't that Bon Jovi? It is. Yeah, yeah. I also the next one I was going to guess was Living on a Prayer. Oh, now that would have been yeah. better. Whoa. <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on. Who uh, doesn't love to shout that song? Let's just pause there for a little bit. If you can sing that song without shouting it, let us know. <laughs> I dare say it's impossible. I dare say it's impossible. Yes. And then he breaks down like three what is it? Three um, oh. constitutive elements of beauty, which yep. that was, you know, I was like scratching the old philosophical depths of my brain that hadn't been, those muscles hadn't been exercised in a while. So, Mine never have been. Never so. have been. But basically it's this, um, this idea that beauty has three things, wholeness, proportionality, and clarity. So wholeness is um, 
basically this completeness, this perfection of a thing. So the the idea being that a church in its entirety, right, this ideal of what a beautiful church is, should not be lacking in any part of it, right? So there should, if you're going to have a beautiful church, there's got to be an altar. Mm. There's got to be a tabernacle. There has mm. to be these constitutive elements for a, a beautiful thing to have it all, right? Mm-hmm. A be- my face, as unbeautiful as it is right now, would be less beautiful if I was missing my nose. True. Yeah. Accurate. Accurate. Because I'm missing part of a constitutive element to my face. So mm-hmm. for penance, it's a feast day, so I'll keep my nose. But tomorrow... Mm-hmm. It on goes. the feast of Isaac Jogues, John Derbuff, and companions. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? I I did not know that was going to come out of my mouth. Okay, today. all right, wow, okay, wow, unplanned. Even I just got it on a roll. Wow, um, wow, right. So that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh, a, a beautiful thing should be complete. The more complete it is, the more beautiful it is. If it's lacking something that is integral to a church. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe a little less beautiful, mm-hmm. right? All right? You've seen that. You walk into a church, there's no crucifix. Like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't believe in that. Well, okay, let's mm-hmm. stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was harmony or proportion, right? That there's a certain harmony um, between, let's see, and you can even say um, order. Let's see, I was trying to, there was a couple really good examples that he mentioned. Uh, so it should be like a church should be like, you think about harmony in um, actually, so one of the I stopped by this church um, in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania while I was on retreat, and there, like this idea of harmony between everything was utterly lacking. Mm. So you walk it, from the outside; it's this beautiful Gothic church with two spires just touching the heavens, tallest mm. place in this building on this hill that overlooked the city absolutely mm-hmm. magnificent mm-hmm. and you walk in and like man there's like three different hands that went in to try and put this thing together so there's you know like a kind of a modern but nice design of an altar but mm-hmm. clearly didn't match the rest of everything going on mm-hmm. carpet that was just kind of like again mm-hmm. fine but didn't mm-hmm. match like every it was just like a hodgepodge of like these beautiful old wooden confessionals but yet a white marble altar with like some some gold it's like the whole thing just mm-hmm. like there was a whole lot going on mm-hmm. that just there was no harmony between everything and so to think about um how god reveals himself to us in his beauty in his order in the mm. cosmos and and it, it even points us out look at strands of dna you look at look at everything in the world and there's order to it, right? And since the fall that we've, as our sin has created disorder. And so beauty will draw us back to this order of God. I believe is this Mm -hmm. constituent of beauty that we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Okay. Some order between it, some harmony, Mm -hmm. but I'm in, you know, you're getting, you're getting into creation. I mean, isn't that the very first thing that God does is that he puts order into chaos, right? Mm-hmm. The sea is just, there's just chaos everywhere. And the first thing that God starts to do is he starts to order things, right? Mm-hmm. Let's divide the night from the day. Mm-hmm. Let's di- let's divide the sky from the earth. Mm-hmm. Let's divide the land from the water, right? Mm-hmm. He put, he's putting order, he's putting things together mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, it's an ordered creation. Mm-hmm. But then the, the other thing I mentioned about proportion is churches are therefore important and the level of time, craft, cost, and effort should be proportional to that importance. So basically, because the church building is the most important building in any city that the church exists, it should be treated as such, mm-hmm. ideally. Right? Mm-hmm. And of course, that 
rarely ever happens, right? Mm-hmm. Stadiums are the ones now that are basically the cathedrals, right? Mm-hmm. It, but you think about churches, like people would just pour out so much of their savings to to build a church that oftentimes they'd never see completed. You know, mm-hmm. the great cathedrals in Europe, somebody could work for 30 years as a stonemason there and not, not see its completion. Mm-hmm. Boggles the mind for us. But... Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of effort compared to every other building should be so much more so in a mm-hmm. church, right? Mm-hmm. And then the last one. So we got this um, this integrity, the wholeness. Mm-hmm. We've got the proportionality. And, and that, you know, like the eye likes things that are proportional, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we don't consciously know it. Like we mm-hmm. like things to be in certain order. There's a relief when everything's kind of like... You know, you go into a building where there's no right angles, and you're like, what is going on here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then how well does it communicate? How well does this building communicate what it really is? How well does this church building communicate what it is? How mm-hmm. well, and you could say that with all all of creation, right? Like, mm-hmm. how well does the Grand Canyon communicate that God is one of absolute power and majesty? Mm-hmm. The Grand Canyon does that incredibly and that's why it's so beautiful is because the vastness, the power of the Lord that created this is just on full display. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love I love this idea, and it's not an idea, this reality that the more, the more beautiful something is, the more it actually expresses what it truly is, mm-hmm. right? Okay, such a simple thing. But the more beautiful it is, the more it actually expresses what it truly is. So the more beautiful a church is, the more it will actually speak to the depths that I'm a church and this is what's happening at Mm -hmm. this church, right? And revealing, like you said, the heavenly Jerusalem that we read about in the book of Revelation. So the more that it is like that, the more beautiful it is. And I like to think of that about our own souls too, like Mm. to go that route just for a hot second, but to think about how we're all created for some unique purpose, right? And for some for some definite unique purpose. And the more we allow God to purify us of our inordinate attachments, to strengthen us in our weaknesses, to, um, you know, to perfect us in virtue, and in short, to become holy, to become mm-hmm. the saints we're created to be, the more we emulate the beauty of our souls, right. the more we are who we were truly meant to be, the more beautiful we become. And it's so mm-hmm. much more than, you know, finding the latest night cream that's going to keep you from getting wrinkles on your face. That's not what this is. The more you become who you were truly meant to become, the more beautiful you will become. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that, like you can see this on faces of people who are beyond their, their prime of physical beauty. Right. Mm I, I, I talk often of my grandma who recently passed at, mm-hmm. at 91 recently. It's like six months ago. But she just the look of serenity on her face, even on her deathbed, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was just it was captivating. It was it was radiant. Mm-hmm. And that's because she was living the life that she was created to be, to mm-hmm. have these children, to be able to die in the graces of the Lord's sacram- mm-hmm. sacraments. Like mm-hmm. that, that's ultimately what is what is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that interior beauty radiates out of of our lives. I mean it's it's why somebody like John Paul II or Mother Teresa was just so captivating just on a human level mm-hmm. that people who didn't even believe in God were drawn to their life. Mm-hmm. And um and actually you know I was on retreat you're saying that about the soul. Mm-hmm. Um the one of the things that really struck me was in in the gospel according to Luke where Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. Mm-hmm. And that whole reality that of the church mm-hmm. of it's supposed to be beautiful and has all it's supposed to become what it was meant to be mm-hmm. exists straight in the human heart. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go back to what we talked about, about how, you know, since the fall, sin, since sin entered the world, it's created disorder and created chaos. Distortion. It's distortion, ugliness, mm-hmm. right? And so all of this is meant to, like, true beauty does that. It draws us back. It reorders what we've disordered through sin. In our buildings, yes. In our world, yes. And in the lives of our souls as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was one little thing you mentioned is about how beauty can be formative. Mm-hmm. Right, the beauty in a music, the beauty in a, a building can help to form us in who God is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it a beautiful tabernacle helps to reveal that this is where the this is where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords dwells. Mm-hmm. Right, if it's a simple wood wood blocks that's made by you know Joe Schmo down there or whatever, mm-hmm. like it doesn't reveal who's actually there, mm-hmm. and it doesn't teach us that Christ is truly present mm-hmm. in the the Blessed Sacrament, but beauty actually does and, and beautiful music does the same thing that's put in time and it's got this incredible language of the human voice mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. beauty Amen. okay so those ever were the three ever knew yeah I, i'm gonna we're gonna close I with know, that you did you knew i was going yeah. there with that <laughs> so beauty has this attractive power of the truth beauty is powerful um the very role of a church building is to give a foretaste of the ordered perfection of heaven. Yeah. So how many times do you walk into a church, walk into any church and say, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. Ought to be everyone. Ought to be it everyone. Ought to be everyone. Mm-hmm. And that even, yeah. Be, you ever seen like an, a piece of art where it's like, well, what does this mean? Well, you, you got to figure out its meaning for you. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, where we have to put the meaning into it rather mm-hmm. than it revealing mm-hmm. meaning to us. Mm-hmm. And ideally, that's what beauty does. It, it reveals to us. It speaks to us. We don't have to speak to it. Mm. I guess that's just another way to mm-hmm. distinguish between the ugly and the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And two, I think like we need to have the permission to know to like your instincts of who mm-hmm. you are and how you're designed will kind of tell you this, right? Instinctively, instinctively, we have that sense. And perhaps we're, I don't know, try not to hurt anybody's feelings. And I'm not saying go around and just start writing hate mail to every p- person. Every architect. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> when you walk go, into ugly churches. Go, go to people's gravestones and, you know, leave a note there for them. Right. Let's not I do that. I want them to see this at the second coming. Right. <laughs> but But let's admit that, you know, instinctively, you know, something's, this doesn't look like a church. Something seems off here. And you know what? When I walked into this beautiful, timeless cathedral, it's different. Mm -hmm. Hmm. There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. So to recognize that. Because God's hardwired this in us, the desire for beauty. We talked about that too, with the beauty of music, the beauty of art. I think architecture is still on the board up here. So we get to talk about that, isn't it? Isn't architecture? It is. Yeah. So we'll talk about that more, but we're really driving that in. Okay. So, what does this have to do with the year of the Eucharist? Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> part part of so the year of the Eucharist, right, is the Eucharist is is um is something that we believe, right? It's we believe in the Eucharist and the real presence and who that is, but it's also the Eucharist is celebrated at mass. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the action, right? Like a building is integral to the beautiful celebration of the sacrament, mm-hmm. right? The, the building, the music, the art, everything there, the vestments, the, the chalices, the, the vessels, all of that aids 
in our worship of the Lord. And whether it's formative, whether it draws us into what's happening, whether it speaks to us, or whether it reveals to us just how beautiful God is. Mm-hmm. So beauty is integral to the Mass, and it, and it ought to be. I know not all the time it is, and that's unfortunate, because it helps us to reveal what's happening. Mm-hmm. That every time we go to Mass, it's heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And so beauty can help reveal that to us and can help draw us into that. And also, it's it's a sacrifice for us, right? We want to give God our very best. So we give him the best of art. We give him the best of music. We give him the best of our time. We give him the best of, of gold, of, of silver. Like, we give the Lord all. The, so it's an offering also. Mm-hmm. Lord, this is the best we have of art. Like, the most beautiful whatever mural in our whole town is here in the church, Lord, because we're giving you the best of what we have, right? Mm-hmm. So we're offering to the Lord there all that we have. Mm-hmm. We got a long way to go. Yeah. God is so merciful with us. Yes. I meant that in a good way. Like yeah. not in like a what's wrong with us. Yeah. But just that, you know, we always have we always have room to grow. Mm-hmm. Like he does deserve our best. He's he a pretty does. dope God man. He's a pretty dope God man. You <laughs> said that one time. I did say that one time so much. You it's just quote, said it again. I said it again. Yeah. So he deserve he quote right. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> Probably end before we. Uh huh. Yeah. Go on a million tangents. Um. Can I say something else? Because in this article, my holy father John at the cross made the article. So how do I not mention this? I did. So this is great and very fascinating. And so I'm going to read this. So like all true enculturation experiences, the encounter of a church design designed with the culture that builds it requires that the Catholic theology be held up as a judge to determine if some aspects of the culture need to be purified before being suitable for use. So he's making the argument that um, there is like objective measures to what makes something beautiful that should be there. Mm -hmm. But just like every butterfly is a butterfly, there's a million species of butterflies and they all are beautiful in that this particular species Mm-hmm. is emulating what this species is, right? Right. So it's okay that culturally, like there's not just a... Um, Everyone has to look like this. Exactly like this. Don't change a thing. And you make it bigger thing. or smaller depending on how many people you need in the pews. Right. So right. he's making that argument and he's saying, but culturally too, you have to look at it through the eyes of theology and moral theology and say, you know, perhaps culture isn't right. always a great, perfect way to look at things, right? It needs My, purified. needs purified. So cultural conventions are always judged by the standard of truth and appropriateness as known in the church. John of the Cross reminds us that love effects a likeness between the lover and the loved. The job of the church and the ecclesiastical artist and architect is to present things that are lovable, not because they embody the latest secular fad, but because they reveal to us the realities of Christ and the redemption he offers. Mm. love affects a likeness between the lover and the loved. So when we are able to see God, who is the lover of our souls, who created us in love, who is love, and when we're able to see this beauty, then we become like that lover. Mm-hmm. It affects that in us. Yeah? Yeah. Sorry, John of the Cross is mentioned in an article reading. I'm going to bring it up. Right. So for <laughs> spiritually, it's probably John of the Cross intended that, that's like we become Christ-like, right? The more we love Christ, the more we take on his characteristics. Mm -hmm. Translating that to art and architecture, um, 
and and beauty in in the physical world mm-hmm. is to say okay this this place let's just say you know they use the southwest right there where adobe buildings are much more popular mm-hmm. okay what how do how does an, an adobe building imitate the heavenly jerusalem right mm-hmm. whereas you know in the, in the upper peninsula of michigan where there's probably a lot of forests mm-hmm. you know how does something that's made out of wood imitate the heavenly jerusalem right? it's taking this natural resource and how does it get transformed into something beautiful imitating the heavenly jerusalem like this this love draws draws the best out of these natural resources and you can say the same thing with music right how how does this particular music and some of it might be like you know what we're not going to use a kazoo at mass because that has no way of being transformed for the dignity of the celebration of the mass i mean we all have a line i'm using i'm using the kazoo because it's ridiculous but there are other <laughs> less ridiculous examples that probably could be used so you, you know what i love about this study of music and art and beauty and you know that that, that it's really opened my very naive mm-hmm. mind is just this reality that there is an objective way to look at these things, that it's not just, well, what's the what's the fat preference. of the time? What's my personal preference? What have I just grown up hearing because that's obviously what I want to keep hearing at Mass? Or what have I grown up seeing in my church because that's what I just want to keep mm-hmm. seeing? Understanding this and reading even the little bit that we have and talking about it and having discussions makes me want to go, wow, we can do so much more. Yeah. We can be so much better. We can be worshiping Him in such greater ways. Not that that means that the way we've been doing it is wrong, just that... I think it's uh, naive of us to think that we can't always improve. Right. right? We've, we've made it. We've arrived. Yeah. Let's keep doing things perfectly. Right. Yeah. Right. Hmm. I, I heard one person, you know, uh, back in 2011 when they retranslated mm-hmm. the, uh, the mass, mm-hmm. uh, I heard there was, there was a group of people talking about this and somebody said, I don't know why we need this. We've had liturgical perfection for the last 40 years. It's like, oh. anytime you think you got liturgical yeah. perfection, this side of heaven. We'll just discredit everything that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's the truth. <laughs> Good stuff. Sorry, people didn't hear what I just muttered. I said that was terribly arrogant on my uh, out of my mouth. So uh, it happens. Here we go. Oh, what happened? I hit something we already hit. The okay. favorite saying, where, where would you like to go today, Julia? I, I didn't look. I haven't looked in a while, so just okay. wherever. No, you can, I liked you your, can I liked your to attitude. Look. Like the whole, the whole middle's pretty much taken. <gasps> he just put a hole in our wall. He almost hit John, John Paul II. Meeting tent in the Old Testament. Do you see that? I see it. Move my finger. <laughs> oh, I'm he's struggling. rusty, guys. He's rusty. <sighs> I really swung. I'm about ready to have to. Oh. Oh, no. Has this ever happened where he's had to refill? Oh, it has. Grace says it has. Okay. I know it's happened with me when I throw the dart off the camera, but I don't know if it's actually happened with him. Yeah. How, how much is this going to happen? I don't know. There, we are getting... Uh, we you know are the Eucharist winding down. It's winding down. Ah! We Eucharistic got one? martyrs. Oh, yay. The martyrs of Gorkum. Okay. My boys. My boys up in Belgium. Nice. Juan Rogue Diggle. Sweet names. You pick sweet names. Anytime there's a name on here, you pick sweet ones. The Martyrs of Gorkum. I cannot wait to say the quote of, oh, what's his name? Don't spoil it. I won't, but tune in next week. Don't spoil it. Don't. Anything else? Pray us out, Julia. (laughs) I'm going to end with words that probably 
will sound familiar to most people. These are words of St. Augustine. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet, if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace.